This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. I think we're called Zillennials, although when it comes to demography and how to divide people up into advertising segments, I really ought to be deferring to you, Shag, but we're like the oldest millennials you can get. I think 1981, 1982. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means we're sort of edging into our baby boomer era, which is when oh, advertising... Gen- no, 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 Gen X, Gen X. There's Gen we're, X oh, between... Yeah, so there's Gen X between millennials and baby boomers. I thought, yeah, okay. okay uh, sorry, yes, I'm with you. But when I say edging into our baby boomer era of like, you know how our parents, the baby boomer generation, uh, yes. just had a couple decades in the sun where like every single piece of media was targeted to be like... How cool was Woodstock? Am I right, fellow baby boomers? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all still young and cool. <laughs> um, and um, Shag, as I think you did with Golden Child, we went and saw the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie recently mm-hmm. and the soundtrack to it has really stuck with me, right? Because I was sitting here being like, oh, my gosh, we are hearing MOPs Annie up in a kid's film, like, <laughs> set in Brooklyn. Like, I'm pretty sure we're pretty close to Brownsville. Uh, so this is pretty exciting stuff. And then you've got some De La Soul. You've got some Tribe Called Quest. Uh, what else have you got? Oh, you, like, you've got... Uh, so, so you know, I'm sort of feeling this vibe of like, oh, this is this is actually pretty fun. This is, this is pretty interesting. I'm having a good time here. Um, and then Shimmy Shimmy Ya came on, and I was like, oh, yeah, like, ODB, this is, this is all right. And then I was like, oh... <laughs> Hang on, who's behind this film? Seth Rogen. And I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure this also commenced the 2007 Seth Rogen film Knocked Up as well. And I was like, oh, hang on. This is a playlist crafted for white guys in their early 40s desperately trying to cling to some form of relevance. And so, like, I quickly skipped from this, like, Andy up in the cinemas with my kids. This is so much fun. Into sort of being desperately bummed out to realising that uh, I'd been... Um, pandered to in a kids movie to be like, don't worry, parents, we've got some awesome stuff for you as well. So, Shag, it was a slightly uh, melancholy. Uh, it's about as melancholy as I've been listening to MOP over the past couple of decades. I know you've seen the film as well, Shag. What are your reflections on the sort of uh, like almost algorithmically refined uh, soundtrack to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film? You know what's funny? Like, I actually haven't seen the film. I think what you're referring to is Adele and I took Golden Child to what's called an activation or a brand activation, where essentially to promote that film, a a large train station in Sydney hosted this Turtles Cave brand activation where you got to go in and eat this really gross, like, Pizza Hut pizza that has, like, green slime on it. And there was, like, a mini half-pipe where Golden Child had the opportunity to ride on it under the tutelage of some bored but clearly well-paid local skaters to, like, help kids learn how to skate, stuff like that. So I actually haven't seen the film, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I was thinking about this recently, right? 
there's a difference between creating a really good soundtrack and just throwing on songs you like into a film. And this is the Forrest Gump experience. Right? It's like, here's a mixtape I made. And it's like, <laughs> congrats. <laughs> I mean, oh, and there's, there's, there are so many problems with that, you know, naughties, Will Ferrell, John C. Mm. Riley film, Step Brothers. But one of the funniest parts of it is like within 10 minutes of the film, you've already heard Vampire Weekend and LCD Sound System. And it's just literally a playlist of any indie-focused person from the noughties from that era. Like, every single person was listening to these two bands. And, like, I just know how the rest of it would sound. So, yeah, like, Peach, I know where you're coming from. And I don't... Yeah, I can see you being depressed. But me, I'd just be like, oh, for fuck's sake, just, like, actually watch the movie and think about (laughs) the, the right songs here rather than songs that you just sort of love. I think that's how you end up with the same songs being used for, for different films over and over again, even though every film is entirely unique and therefore probably should necessitate unique song selections. It's a funny thing. It's like it's not like there aren't that many songs. Like there are a fair few. <laughs> there's heaps. There's heaps it's like fuck. There's only there. like fifteen songs. <laughs> Which ones are we going to use for this movie? All right, Peach. Well, look, I don't want to further bum you out, mm. but you, you, I rely on you in this podcast sometimes. For your knowledge from, mm. and, and your, I guess your scholarship from when you're in uni. And mm. I know that you didn't study all history, but I just assume you know all history because <laughs> you studied history to some degree. And Peach, what do you know about the Spanish Inquisition? Uh, almost literally zero. <laughs> um, like, you know, it's the Monty Python joke that kind of jumps out. I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure there was like a Catholic Spanish monarch who was pretty interested in torturing some people and pressuring them to either become Catholic or die. Um, and that's about the extent that I know. I'm, I'm going 16th century, which is to say 1500s, Shag, and that's about the extent of what I got for you. I, I was kind of in the same boat. And, you know, to be honest, I still am. I've done some very basic desk research on it before this. Mm. But even I knew that the Catholic Church were the bad guys. Yes. In the Spanish Inquisition, right? Always like, a safe bet. Like, who's the baddies? <laughs> Could it be the Catholic Church? <laughs> Could be. So I just want you to keep that in mind, Peach. I mm. just want you to keep that in mind today in a film Are we from doing another exorcism? We are, we are. We're doing a film yes. from 2023 starring our very own Russell Crowe, even though I think he was born in New Zealand. But he is very typical of a kind of Australian man. So if you don't really know what Australians are like, Russell Crowe is actually like a pretty good indication yeah. of a very specific kind of Australian man. Anyway, uh, he stars in this film from 2023 called The Pope's Exorcist. Jack, if he's doing an accent... <laughs> I'm going to feel pretty awkward. Wait, 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 wait. Not only does he do an accent, but he rides around on a scooter. Like, it's the funniest thing in the world. Oh, God. And he is he does typify, like, upper-middle-class white male Australian, like, heavily privileged. But, like, but, but, yes, but so privileged that they lean into their sort of working-class heritage. So the accent is not refined. It's an Australian accent. Yep. They support teams like the the, the Rabbitohs, which is yep. a rugby league team in Sydney that's synonymous with, you know, the working class sort of inner city population. They think it's like earthy and Australian to wear RM Williams boots. Yeah. Whereas like RM Williams boots are like six hundred and fifty bucks. 
And it's like no one who actually works a physical job apart from maybe like very well-paid like mining engineers who have to do a little bit of physical work or veterinarians who are like out dealing with herd health and like cattle. Yeah, it's a very closeted, privileged, uh, narrow-minded, blinders-up <laughs> version of um, upper-middle-class upper middle Australia. And the reason I can conjure all that, of course, is because I'm – on one view, a member of the exact same class. So, it's good so, so Russell Crowe, who is who typifies that kind of Australian man, is in this film, but playing <laughs> playing an Italian priest who rides a scooter and has a very thick Italian accent. Well, in fairness to him doing an Italian accent, there aren't any Italian actors, so they had to pick <laughs> they had to pick an actor who wasn't Italian. So. Although, Pete, your name you are you have Italian heritage, so Usually. you know, yeah, so you're allowed to speak on it. Yeah, and I've got Aaron Williams boots as well. <laughs> Father Gabriele Amort. On the night of June 4th, you performed an exorcism. That was not an exorcism. Shag, am I actually going to love this film? Is this like awesome trash? It might be the worst film we've ever covered. The majority of cases do not require an exorcism. 98% are recommended by him to doctors and psychiatrists. The other 2%, I call it evil. We have more questions for you, Father Mort. You have a problem with me. You talk to my boss. The Pope. There is a case that needs your attention. Bring me the priest. Whatever you do, you only do because God allows it. Imagine what could happen if the devil possessed the soul of the Pope's exorcist. Who will defend you? My faith does not require defense. I love that the exorcist is like targeted by internal affairs. Like he's basically Luther of exorcism. Shag, I like, I don't know. I don't know. I like, I, I, that looked pretty fun. So, so historically, horror films are kind of allowed to be shit. Yes. Because they're not judged by the same metrics, you know, for their audience than regular filmmaking is. It's not about plot. It's not about story. It's not about any of those things. It's about kills. It's about a scary bad guy. It's yes. about how freaked out you get in the cinema, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And elevated horror comes along, A24 come along and change all that and change our expectations to be like, horror has to be a great film as well as a really chilling, disturbing one. Or a nice meditation on a theme, you, you, you know, an interesting riff on, on something fairly universal and fairly human. And so... I was watching, I think the start of this on a plane somewhere, because I was looking through, I was, you know, doing that thing where it's like, even though you've got leisure time, it's like, how can I use my leisure time to do work? So I looked at 
all the horror films. I don't know what you're and, talking about. <laughs> all the horror films in in-flight entertainment and, you know, w- work through them methodically one by one. And I got to this film and I think I got maybe 20 or 30 minutes into it and had this realization to be like, oh, wow, this movie is really shit in a fun way. <laughs> and I kind of need to share this with someone. So I paused. And so then last night I was like, oh, Adele, we need to start watching this film. And it turned out to be number one, really boring. And Adele wasn't into it. Like there were moments where we both laughed, but it was actually kind of boring. But then it takes this really irresponsible turn that pisses me off so much (laughs) and makes me think this might be the worst film we've covered purely for the negative effect it could potentially have on the world. This is like a black phone episode to me. I'm not sure if you remember how good the black phone trailer was. That I just saw it and I just refused to believe from you that it wasn't a great film. Like, I'm sitting here being like, I would drink a thousand beers and watch The Pope's Exorcist with you, like, and laugh and chuckle away. It looks like the most fun. Hopefully it's like 83 minutes long. It should be. It's way too long. It's also, to your point, it's a mix of a renegade cop film. Yes. A typical exorcist horror film. Yes. The Avengers Yes. And like flat out Catholic Church propaganda. Yes. Combined. Look, all- <laughs> I, I don't know how he storms out of like how it's like, all right, we're doing a Vatican Inquisition to find out what happened on the exorcism. It's like, there's no time for this Inquisition. <laughs> I've got to go. I've got to go fight this demon. I'm like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> Bitch, I, I can't. All right. Well, let's jump into this because I mean, maybe in the retelling, this will sound like the best film of all time when I promise you, I promise you it's not. <laughs> promise me it's not. <laughs> And I think one of the things that that maybe should have given it away, I didn't do any research into this film before I saw it, but mm. it turns out it's based on a real person. So the main character that mm. Rusty plays, Father Gabriel Amort, is mm. a was a real priest. Uh, he died mm. in 2016. He was but... born in New Zealand, actually. <laughs> Italy, Italy claims him for his own. <laughs> claims but, uh, in, in, I think, around in the 90s, Along with five other priests, he founded the International Association of Exorcists. His work in demonology and exorcism gained him international recognition. Uh, he said apparently that he performed over 70,000 exorcisms in his career. Also, check out his views on yoga. At a film festival in Umbria in 2011, he's quoted as saying that yoga is satanic because it leads to the practice of Hinduism and all Eastern religions are based on a false belief in reincarnation. And, uh, and, th- and thus practicing yoga is satanic. This is direct quote. Practicing yoga is satanic. It leads to evil just like reading Harry Potter. So... I expect he has a fairly loose definition definition of exorcisms as well. <laughs> because <laughs> if you live for 100 years, yeah. that means you've spent 36,000 or so days on earth, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So if you do 70,000 exorcisms, <laughs> that's approximately two exorcisms per day over one century. And so I expect he's done some by Zoom or something, or like done some at a football stadium or something. Like it'd be like, yeah, I exercised that to all those school children at that school. Or like, you know, like, this is a person who has a fairly loose relationship with the truth. And I suspect a fairly loose relationship with reality. And I never thought I'd side with the administration of the Vatican but I suspect they're probably pretty right to be like, oh, can someone investigate this fucking guy and make sure he's not doing fucked up stuff? And what's weird about this film is like, you know, and I grew up Catholic, you know, I was mm. baptised, I went through all the rites and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And 
my impression of Catholicism, mm. right up into like right from like the lay people to you know the people who help in church, right up to the priests, everyone's mm. kind of like, well, it's all kind of made up. <laughs> like everyone's, yeah. <laughs> no one's like all of this is actually true. Absolutely, and the yeah. Book of Revelations is real, and blah blah blah. And what's weird about this film, and particularly the man it's based on, Father Gabriel Amort, he's mm. basically like, no, it's real, and if you don't believe it, that means Satan's winning. And it's like, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's just, I, like, I don't, I don't know what to make of this film. It's so but strange. Satan's existence is like only possible for people of faith to believe. Like that's a necessary moving part in your belief system if you're a person of faith as well. Like I'm not a person of faith, and so Satan also does not exist for me. Satan exists for me as much as, um, fucking the archangel Gabriel or whatever. Mm. But you're so like you're so right about fairly sophisticated Catholicism. Like that's that's where in Australia this weird like happy clappy that last couple of decades of weird like capitalist Christianity oh, like the mega been, yeah has been really mm. strange. Because, yeah, like, all the priests I ever met were like, yeah, God's, like, pretty, he's pretty mysterious. Like, he's pretty mysterious. He does exist for sure, but, like, there's no way to prove it. And faith just kind of, like, it's fine. Just have a bit of faith and it's fine. And even my dad, who is a literal knight of the papacy, is like, heaven's not, like, heaven, heaven. It's kind of just, like, you die and you just get it. Like, it's like you kind of, like, everything's cool. It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's like any mature Catholicism doesn't really include being like, we need to go get the like fire sword of John the Baptist in order to like go into Avengers style combat with the three great demons of the apocalypse. Or and that's what's weird about this film, right? Because mm. it feels weird to have a major budget film starring people you know that's, that has this very regressive view that all the Bible's real. And anyone who doesn't believe in the Bible is going to hell, including anyone who practices any other religion rather than Roman. But not. Beli- but if you don't believe in hell, like that's the kind of thing of like hell does it, like. Ah, uh, but Peach, <laughs> hell believes in you. To be a- <laughs> hell believes in you. All right, let's let's get into this, right? Okay, so this film is set in 1987, and throwing back to your point about soundtracks, that means we get to hear lots of tracks from the 80s. So there's oh. this really jarring moment. That and and we'll get there, but mm. it, there's a cold open with an exorcism that Rusty performs, and then we cut to this family driving through the Spanish countryside while the teenage daughter is listening to the cult she sells sanctuary. Okay, it, and it's a but it's also a bit like there were also more than ten songs in the eighties, <laughs> but films are always like, no, these were the only songs anyone was ever listening yeah, to. Chucking a bit of New Order, chucking yeah. a bit of Flock of Seagulls, and they were yeah. there. So, but but let's we're not there yet. So, nineteen eighty seven, Father Gabriel Amort, the Pope's personal exorcist, is an earthy. This is this is Wikipedia's language, by the Ooh. way. Is an earthy, scooter riding, humorous, practical man. Visit <laughs> and like he's the he's the like his his whole thing is like he's just cool and everyone in the Vatican's like oh he can't get away with this and he's like watch me my boss is the Pope so he's like Ron Swanson mixed with <laughs> Luther is kind of my it's, read it's exactly that he's yeah. those two characters oh, anyway God. so he visits an Italian village where a man is seemingly possessed by a demon with the local priest. Amort enters the room where the man is tied up. While exercising him, 
using a St. Benedict medal sacramental. So he has this like, he has this like special medal that he They're keeps like in his case. Stones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that like that any demon is afraid of. So he uses it to like scare them. Amort taunts the demon, and the demon's like, "I am Satan. I will kill you." And he's like, oh, "Okay, you're Satan. What's my name?" And he's like, "I'm not going to tell you your name." He's like, "Oh, so you don't know, do you?" And he's like, "Don't like blah blah blah." And he's like, he's like cheeky. He like plays with the demons. And so he's like, he's like, oh, okay. And there's, there's a bit at the very start of the film, like the first lines of dialogue is he walks into this village and it's the eighties, but it feels like an Italian village from like world war two. Amazing. And you know exactly what you, what you're in your mind, you know exactly what you're thinking of. And there's like, there's like an old guy out the front of this house wearing a world war two get up with a giant pig. And Father Amort's like, great pig. I think the first line of dialogue is great pig. And he's like, bring that pig in here. And so he he goes so he's like taunting this demon and he's like, Oh, if you're such a cool demon, bet you can't possess this pig. Oh, and the demon's God. like, Of course he I can. Tricks the demon into going into <laughs> so, the pig's so body. the demon jumps into the pig and then the farmer shoots the pig and then everyone's better. Oh God. I feel like that plot device has been used infinity times. Well, maybe seventy thousand times. Maybe that was a Mort's big thing. Maybe he worked in an abattoir. He's like, yep, keep it coming, keep it rolling. I put demons in all these pigs. <laughs> Every time you kill one, it's a successful exorcism. So it then cuts to this family driving to this church that they're, uh, that, like this abbey in Spain that they've been left in, like the mum's father, the mum's partner has recently died. And so she yes. has two teenage children. And they're driving to this abbey that she was left in her will by her dad in the idea that they're going to do it up and then sell it. And yep. that's going to get them out of financial trouble. And yep. Anyway, cut back to the Vatican. That, that exorcism has got Father Amort in trouble with the church tribunal. Since he so acted good. Internal without... affairs of the Vatican. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. Since he acted without permission from superiors. So... He's the Pope's fucking exorcist. He, he... Wait. It's only the... Okay, yeah. Well, so yeah, yeah. here's the weird thing. Here's the weird thing about this whole scene is so fucking weird, right? So and and before that, while he's waiting to be seen, this yep. group of like nuns walk past and they're all like oh. giggling. They're all like, like Ooh, Ooh. that's Father Amort. <laughs> and he does this whole like boo sort of scare thing to them and they all sort of like run away. And it's oh really weird. <laughs> it's really weird. It's really, oh, the way they treat nuns in this film is fucked. So they're like giggling schoolgirls. Well, there's that. And then watch this. So then he goes into this tribunal where they're serving the coffee. And, it, and like, while we were watching, Adele was like, hey. Well, the like, nuns are. Yeah. She's like, nuns aren't servants. She was like, the Vatican has heaps of servants and, like, you know, helpers who are there to just, like, do things like serve the coffee. But anyway. Yeah. So in this tribunal, the evil member of the tribunal is like, want a cafe latte, father? And he's like, oh, cafe latte at this time. I'll just have a double espresso. And then Adele's like, no Italian would order a double espresso. You just have <laughs> one and then you'd have another. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he orders a double espresso because like. Because he's Ron Swanson. He's like, I'll have a steak and a whiskey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right, right. Oh, my God. He drinks heaps of whiskey as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Okay. So in the tribunal, there's a friendly African bishop who's defending him, Lumumba, but another is a vicious oh, American. Oh, God, what is their name? Lumumba. 
Yeah, okay. Look, you you just hope they've done due diligence and yeah, that's accurate okay. rather than that being like a white script yeah. writer's being like, what's an African name? <laughs> you yeah. hope, right? And remember yeah. as well, they're seen as an, they're not even, like, it's not even the country. It's like they're just generally from Africa. Well, yeah. Look, I'm from Australasia. That's, that's, <laughs> that's how I identify. I'm from Southeast Asia. Where are you from? But another is a vicious American Cardinal Sullivan who's skeptical of demonic possession. Now, keep in mind, the bad guy is the one who doesn't really believe in demonic possession. <laughs> Amorth replies that evil does exist and that he did not perform an actual exorcism, but rather some psychological theater to help the mentally ill man. And then he does this weird sort of, again, exorcism apology, uh, 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 like apology where he's basically like, most of the time, we make sure they've consulted a doctor and a psychiatrist and if no one can find a natural cause, that's when they bring me in. Uh, like, even the 1987 understanding of mental health, <laughs> like, surely can't be consistent with that. I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's, it's nothing in whatever that book of, <laughs> whatever that book of mental illnesses is. Well, there we go. Couldn't, 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 couldn't tick any of those boxes, so let's bring in Father Amort. Well, what's really funny is, before, like, uh, before he eventually storms out, because he, of course he has to, mm. he sort of, you know, they're basically like, do you really believe it, that, you know, these were de- demonic possessions? And Father Amort's basically like, look, either we believe in evil or we don't. And if we don't believe in evil, then what are we all doing here? And that's the beginning. The Catholic Church has nothing to do with, like, <laughs> evil shit. It's not like an evil fighting organisation. <laughs> that's what I mean, right? That's the beginning of a really dangerous strand of thought that is weaved through this film, in which it's like, oh, what the Catholic Church is actually about is fighting the evil of demons, which means that all the bad shit it's done in the past, including recently with <sighs> all of the child sexual abuse, you know, yes, that's important, but we're fighting demons here. Yeah, get out of the way. We're going to fight some demons. Yeah, right, right. Like, it, oh. it's, it's a way of misdirection from yes. anything bad the church does because it has this higher power. Yes. Anyway, so he storms out, and they're like, where are you going? And he's like, like, he does has this big speech. God, it's so dumb. He's basically like, I am a priest. I report to my bishop because I'm a priest in Rome. My bishop is the pope. So if you've got a problem with me, you take it up with the Pope. And like, <laughs> Why did he even go to the meeting then? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, anyway, anyway. Meanwhile, he has these like super secret catch-ups with the Pope in like the Vatican's private church. Oh, that's so good. The Pope's at the front praying and he'll mm. sit a couple of pews back. And the and the Pope will just know he's there because the Pope's magic. Nice. They'll be like, oh. going back again, Father Amort. Yes, Heavenly Father. And then they even have all these jokes where like they give him like slight peccadillos so he's not perfect. So they make some joke where it's, where the Pope's like, ah, oh, your pride will get the best of you, Father. And then <laughs> Father Gabriel Amort is like, prideful? Me, but in Italian. So he like overacts it and then they wow. both laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's the weirdest movie. I'm still having heaps of fun with this film, Jack. Like, I don't know. So the Pope assigns Amor to visit a possessed boy named Henry in Spain. So Henry, do you remember? I, I told you at the start, like, this is all told out of order, but yeah, Henry, okay. his mother, Julia, and his rebellious teenage sister, Amy, who loves listening to the cult on her Walkman. They're converting an abbey. Yep, I'm with you. Yeah, had travelled from America to take possession of a mysterious old Spanish abbey. 
Julia's husband sold the quest to his family after he died in a car accident where Henry was present and saw his dad die and thus hasn't spoken in the year since the father died. Mm. Pretty good time to move to a different country. Now, yeah. And all that be. <laughs> so, so, so there are all these workers working on this abbey, but while they're in the, the basement, they mm. crack through like a hollow wall, find a mysterious seal. They're like, what is that seal? They use a lighter to shine some light and turns mm. out there's trapped gas deposits causing like a massive explosion. These workers get scalded. They get taken out by ambulances. The foreman's like, there's gas deposits here. It's a dangerous site. I'm pulling all my men out. We can't stay here. So that just leaves the family in this remote Spanish abbey that's totally run down with some mysterious shit happening downstairs. I, like, I'm still having fun. Like, I'm, you know, let's do it. Prideful. Henry starts behaving bizarrely and supernatural events unfold. Serum chem- chemistry panels and MRI show nothing abnormal. So they take him to the hospital. The doctor's like, nothing wrong with him. Here's some sedatives just in case he goes crazy again. Oh, yeah. No, no. So this is why they take him to the hospital. So this isn't it. This is the best part of the whole movie. Okay. Yeah. So he starts getting possessed, right? So it, like, it's never in question. Like, I should imagine. It's never like, is this a mental illness? It's like, no, bang. No, no. The, no, no. The he's possessed, right? He starts getting yeah. possessed. And in the middle of the night, he's like screaming or something. And he wakes up. And the mom and the sister run in. And he's like, mommy, mommy. And she's like, what? Fuck, you're talking. Holy shit. Okay, well, all right. Yeah, let's, let's do this. And then he's like, and then he sw- like switches into this scary voice. And the scary voice is the funniest part of this because he has like a scary, gruff English man's accent. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> you're all going to die. Like it has a distinct. Oh, like a Mr. Hyde. A distinct. <laughs> like, yeah, he's basically Mr. Hyde. So he says, you're all going to die. And then he starts scratching his face all the way down. And that's why they take him to hospital because he's self-harming. Yeah. But that's pretty creepy as well, like scratching your own face. Like, it looks pretty bad. But anyway, okay. so while he's in hospital, they do all these tests on him. The tests are inconclusive. The doctor's like, has anything traumatic happened to him? They're like, well, his dad died a year ago and he hasn't t- spoken since. And he's like, cool, it's psychosis. Nothing we can do about it. Here's some sedatives just in case he tries to harm himself again. You will. So Henry is now diabolically possessed. And he has another encounter with the mum where, okay, no, this is actually the funniest part. So he grabs the mum's boobs, which is already really disappointing. And he's like, ah, piggy, 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 why didn't you breastfeed me? Which is weird. And then he lifts up his shirt and he's carved the word hate into his tummy. (laughs) (laughs) Just the word hate. Like, hey, piggy, why didn't you breastfeed me? This is a really strange, (laughs) like, that's, that's, yeah. Anyway. It just. So he, yeah, yeah. I don't know, it just feels like they just threw, like, exorcism symptoms into a hat and just picked out two. It's like one, like, inappropriate sexual advances to the word hate carved into a body. Yeah, okay. Yep. I'm still having fun, though. So Henry requests a priest. The local Spanish father, Tomas Esquivel, arrives, but Henry obscenely derides him and is like, wrong priest. Amort arrives and um, Esquivel's like, I've heard of you. Like, the, also, the other oh, thing about this film is, as well, because well, yes. it's a biopic of this guy. So it's all like, <laughs> he's, everyone's heard of this cool guy. 
Um, he's like, yeah, I'm here. So Escabel has heard of Amort, but not read Amort's books. Amort's like, they're good books. You should read them. And then takes a swig of whiskey, whiskey and he's like, ah, oh, one of my things, I drink some whiskey. And even <laughs> yeah. like the father's like, should you be drinking whiskey before you like check out this kid? That's just what he does. He, he's a yeah. rogue. Fuck, I'm certainly not having a cafe latte. So. <laughs> <laughs> Amort advocates the importance of prayer, though Escabel makes mistakes as an assistant exorcist including strangling Henry when Henry antagonizes him, mocking him for his sins. Priests do jump straight to violence. That is a classic priest thing. <laughs> this is a really confusing Wikipedia self-system, but basically they do an initial assessment of the kid and, like, basically Father Amort's like, oh, this kid is pretty, pretty <laughs> possessed. This is pretty bad. We've got to solve this. So the duo attempt to exercise Henry without success as he utters blasphemous phrases during the rite. Henry's demon even possesses... So, sorry, so in the world of this movie, a demon can resist exorcism by interrupting <laughs> the priest. Well, so what they do is... So, so in, in the world of this film, mm. demons are the great deceivers. So they make you see things or they get into ah. your mind and tell you things to make you believe things, to throw you off. But as long as you yes. stay... And the word Father Amort keeps using is relentless. As long as you stay the course, say the prayers hold the special medallions, you can exercise the demons. And they'll do anything to just throw you off, get you off your game. So... This does sound like a dangerously misled sociopath. It's... Okay, so... This guy, like... I'm pretty glad he's dead. It's pretty bad, right? Mm. Henry Stephen even possesses Amy, the older sister at times. Amort finds Julia has not been a religious believer since childhood. Still, he convinces her to pray after she reveals she believed her guardian angel helped her in her youth. So it's like, it's, it, yeah, it's full-on classic Catholic church dogma propaganda. It's really, it's really a 50s, 60s view as well of what Catholicism is. Well, cut back to the Pope, because the Pope has become, the, the, the Pope becomes terminally ill while reading documents about the Spanish case and is hospitalised. Hang on, hang on. Sorry, not terminally. This ill, is sorry. supposed to be Pope John Paul, isn't it? This is actually supposed to be he's a real. A diff- yeah, but in this one, he's like this. He's he's like a he's like a like a Spanish police chief or something. Yeah, he's like, yeah, Look, I totally fine. I'm I don't agree you. with your methods, Father and yeah. but you just you get results. Yeah, Pope's. Like, I got to report to God on this one. Look, I'll hold him <laughs> off, but just make sure you get a demon out. <laughs> so in Rome, the Pope becomes ill while reading documents about the Spanish case and is hospitalized. Amort finds a well on the abbey grounds going down to a complex sealed off by the church as demonically dangerous. He learns... Wait, 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 wait. So this is it. This is where I'm like, fuck this movie, right? He learns that a founder of the Spanish Inquisition, an exorcist, was possessed, which let him infiltrate the church and do many evils. The implication being the Spanish Inquisition happened because a demon possess the church. So the sins of the Catholic Church are the fault of what the Catholic Church are fighting. Yes, yes. And why I think that's so... (laughs) So so yes, like, the Spanish Inquisition is is by now very much history. But it's not a huge leap for this film or a subsequent film to be like, oh, remember all those sexual abuses by priests? That's what, yeah, that's what we're fighting. Yeah, remember those? Yeah, yeah. they're pretty bad. And so that, we're fighting that's, those. That's mm. the thing that scares me. Because, okay, so when I, when, when I was like 15 or 16, 
I joined a church youth group because, you know, I was like, we went to church all the time. I wanted to see kids my age. And apparently there were lots mm. of kids going to this, to this youth group. The church, the priests were saying it was pretty cool. It's like, oh, priest. No, well, cool. it was run by this young priest, Father Jim, who was super cool. And we knew he was cool because even though he was a priest, he talked about the fact that like, look, yeah, I've taken a vow of celibacy, but don't you reckon Sandra Bullock's pretty hot? Like, you used to always <laughs> talk about Sandra Bullock and we were like, cool priest. Done. Yep. Yeah, relax, Father Jim. You're all right. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> anyway, so it became pretty clear, like in hindsight, even more so, but it became pretty clear that he was, and I'm using this term, like don't jump to conclusions. He yes. was he was grooming us to join one of those mega churches. He was grooming us to be like, oh. how cool is like fun Christianity where you get to like sing and dance and... Oh, to leave Catholicism for well, 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 whatever they're Like called. level yeah. up our... Yeah, yeah, nice. And he even invited us on this, this, this to to help work at a like a a Christian camp. So we we didn't have to attend any of the classes. We just worked in the kitchen. And I remember like one of my like defining memories as a teenager was going to this camp and chatting with the other people who were there after hours. And this one guy talked about the fact that he was he was like born again, and he was born again because when he was in school, he and his friends taunted this girl to a point where she tried to kill herself and she wasn't successful, but she tried to. And he's like, and I just remember this really clearly. He's like, I now realize, you know, that was the devil inside of me. And oh, it's God. this insidious. Get out of jail free card. School of thought that mm. it's like anything bad, that was the devil. Yep. And this is why I find this film so unbelievably Dangerous. irresponsible. Yeah. Right. Like, and the Spanish Inquisition thing is a little bit throwaway. Right. But. Even thinking about just how they could just keep extending that, you know, if this film becomes successful and they do sequels, is really scary. Because the thought process is like, oof, yeah, the Catholic Church did some bad shit back in the Spanish Inquisition. Oh, it turns out this Catholic Church was fine back in the Spanish Inquisition <laughs> and we just had everything the wrong way around. Probably, yeah, I wonder if there's any other instances of that over history. Yeah, that's that's a pretty pretty irresponsible, as you say. Yeah, yeah. anyway, so so that happens and... Amorth also finds the church, cover this up, and eventually discovers the name of Henry's demon. So the, the, so the reason they've gone underground to investigate mm. is once they understand the name of the demon, like that's the Achilles heel of all ah, demons. Nice. If you know their name, it's like Rumpelstiltskin. Yep. Once you know their name, they have to leave. This basically feels like that old Blizzard game Diablo that we just have to keep, keep going down another couple of levels <laughs> and we'll figure it out. So it turns out this demon is named Asmodeus, who's like the king of hell. Um... And when you think about that, it's like, oh, so hell must have a really interesting hierarchy because if Satan's not the king of hell, yeah, so is he like the prime minister? Yeah. Or is he like, <laughs> and is Satan like the a governor general? Like, yes, like, the head of state of hell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, so, 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 so. Amorth and Escabel participate in the sacrament of confession and absolution. And like the whole film, the demon's like, I know your secrets, Father Amorth. And it's like, his secret sucks. And this is true, right? So Aww. in World War II, Father Amort fought for the Italian resistance against the fascists. Yep. But there was a point where, like, all of his company died, but he survived. And he has survivor's guilt. Yep. And I'm like, that's not a sin. Like, survivor's guilt is real and true, but it's not a sin. Like, it's, 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 it's not a sin. You can't be like, that's the cross I have to bear. It's like, no. That's like, it's it's trauma that you're dealing with. Yeah. It's not a, like, anyway. 
Well, like, anyway, so the, like, which just goes to show this guy's fucking deeply irresponsible hmm. and certainly should not be trusted, like, handing out, like, mental health conclusions about when it's okay to give an exorcist, uh, give an exorcism. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's fine. Um, exorcism time right now of, like, I think you need to have at least be on the path of processing your own adventures through the world uh, before you can ha- hand out the life and death consequences. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, Escobar also confesses to the fact that he was, like, in love with this girl but then realised that God was his true love. So they both confess their sins, so when the demon brings them up in the room, they're ready for it, right? Yes. Is that a sin as well? So neither of them are sins. No, no. This is the, like, what's your worst trade in a job interview? It's like, well, my worst trade is just being the best. And Oh, oh there, there is one. Sorry, there is one more. Hang on. So survived World War II and vowed to serve God in gratitude. Uh, but also a mentally ill woman asked for Amort's help and died by suicide when he did not help her due to pride because he thought, like, she basically she was like, I'm possessed, and he's like, you're not possessed. And then she kills herself to be like, do, do you believe me now? And he also blames himself for that, which, again, is trauma. It's not his fault. Yeah, I probably won't weigh in on that. And... Uh, Escobel fornicated with a young woman he did not later marry. Yeah, so he was in love with a girl, and he did actually have sex with her. Oh, la, la. <laughs> <laughs> so the two ready themselves. Amorth instructs Escobel to wear a miraculous metal necklace. During the exorcism, <laughs> they have... They have hot. It's, just, it's a real thing. Hang on, let me... So it's... Is a devotion. You've got them. We've got them. Like we a all got them. Like growing up, it's got Mary. It's got Mary on the front, and on the back, it's got like Latin. It's like a really common like Catholic, uh, Catholic icon. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, it's called the miraculous medal. Uh, so during the exorcism, and and again, so any kid watching this wearing them is like, hang on, I've got like. I'm superpowers. in the Avengers too. Yeah. <laughs> so during the exorcism, they have horrible visions of the women they failed. The exorcism succeeds only when Amorth offers himself to be possessed, which chimes with Asmodeus as previously stating that he wants to destroy Amorth. So it turns out that the demon has this idea that it's going to possess the Pope's... The Pope's exorcist, yeah. ...to get into the Vatican and, like, fuck shit up. Well, this is what Asmodeus tried 500 years ago, I would expect. Yeah, That's yeah. and he's trying it again because yeah, yeah. he's been locked downstairs, but... Because they were digging around this abbey, now he's free. Yeah. And so his plan was basically to get Father Amort to the abbey, which has worked. And now his plan is to possess him. And it's working because he's basically hurting the kids. And then Amort's like, possess me, save them, possess me. And he's like, and they're like, ha ha ha, you're now my little piggy. Piggy, piggy, piggy. He doesn't like pigs, this like, Asmodeus. <laughs> Like again, the butcher shaming and the and the pig shaming and horror like arises. But also, being king of hell strikes me as not a very busy role. If you can just take a five hundred year time out, and everything just keeps bubbling along. So Amort tries to hang himself, but the demon doesn't allow it, preferring that Amort infiltrate and destroy the church from within. They make their way downstairs, and there's this scene where like the Virgin Mary rises up out of like you know out of the basement where all the shit happened years and years ago. And at first, Father Amort's like, oh, my God, I'm being saved. But then it turns into the woman that he didn't save and attacks her. And then Father Escabel gets attacked by a nude version of the woman that he slept with and didn't marry. But then they manage to, like, so I can't remember exactly how this works, but Father Escabel takes the medal, puts it on her, like, forehead or her back, and she explodes. Classic. (laughs) 
<laughs> like the blood <laughs> goes everywhere. Classic Infinity Stone logic. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they both stand up holding their crucifixes out, chanting the final rite while the demon is like, kind of like Terminator 2, is writhing in this pool being like, no, no, I want to blah, blah, blah. And eventually they exorcise the demon. Oh, okay. By, by saying some prayers. Yeah, with their magic powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With their I magic followed. powers. Yep. The Pope recovers, as does Henry, while the Vatican purchases and re-consecrates the Abbey. So it, it, it can't, you know, be a site for infest- demonic infestation ever again. The triumphant duo visit Rome and find that the evil American bishop, who was all on his case, has, in their words, in, you know, in uh, rabbit ears, taken leave in Guam. And they're like, ha, ha, ha. Oh, I hope the bishop's okay. Like, it's really weird. What? And he's being replaced by Lumumba, who's now the boss of a brand new special Exorcism church division. <laughs> so they're going to be visiting 199 other evil sites that they found thanks to a map they discovered in the abbey. of Because apparently when, when the devil was cast out of heaven, 200 other angels were cast out and they're all underground somewhere on earth. So they have to go and find these other 199 in this brand new, like, Vatican department. And at the end, so, like, I think Escobar says something like, you know, let's go. And Amorth likes, ha yes, let's go to hell. And that's the end of the movie. Oh, sick. So it's like Pokemon. You can have it in, like, get out your, like, exorcism decks and just, like, see who we've caught. We can open the next <laughs> film, like, six demons in. Having just done a seventh exorcism, it'd be like, oh, we've got a big one coming up, <laughs> Father of Mort. Shag, I, I really enjoyed that. I don't know. I, like, perhaps it's just its perfect genre is trailer and then Wikipedia synopsis. But I had a, I can imagine it being fucking boring and poorly made. But I had a bit of a blast doing that. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm letting the team down. Peach, you've seen a horror movie you've seen get out which is arguably to your point maybe a horror movie maybe not mm. how does it compare to get out i think it's only marginally worse uh, there's a bit more <laughs> blood i think in this and yes a bit more, there like, is gross horror moments i think in yeah. this well no one no one writes the carves the word hate into their stomach that's another thing <laughs> there's so little blood in get out but look i'll i'll let you know some of my get out thoughts another day Uh, This was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?